Hello, STEM Nation. Jeff here, and welcome to episode number 22 of STEM on Fire, where we interview practicing professionals in the area of science, technology, engineering, and math to help guide students interested in STEM careers. If you like what you hear on this podcast, I ask that you please share it with a friend. Now let's get fired up today with our guest, Catherine, and I hope our chat will help ignite your passion towards a STEM career. Catherine McGill is pursuing a PhD in physics from Cornell University and has been employed by Cornell as a condensed matter research assistant with a focus on graphene devices for neural signal detection. This is going to be good because I have no idea what that all means, and Catherine will fill it in for us. So welcome to the show, Catherine. Fill in any gaps and share a bit of your personal life. Well, Jeff, thank you for inviting me on the show. I'm talking to you from Ithaca, New York, so I'm in the middle of New York State. And uh, in addition to doing science in my free time, I I like to read a lot, um, spend time with friends. As a graduate student, we're pretty busy with our work and our degree, and so I've found that uh, I like to call either hobbies, either hard hard hobbies or soft hobbies, soft hobbies being reading and hanging out and things that don't require your attention every single day or every single week. And uh, some of the more hard hobbies that I used to have, like playing the viola and doing Scottish Highland dancing or making YouTube videos, um, are just a little bit harder to maintain during grad school. Uh, so there's multiple aspects to my life, um, but right now I'm just focusing on finishing up my degree, which is about a year from completion. Yeah, going for your PhD, that's just a continuation of the difficult STEM curriculums. So appreciate the overview, and let's dig in here. So you're pursuing a, a PhD in physics, and could you share some career opportunities that are available maybe before your physics degree, if you graduated with a master's in physics, and then also what might be available with a PhD in physics? Absolutely. Um, there's a lot of lab, government labs uh, around. There's Argonne National Lab, for example, Sandia. And there are plenty of science positions at the national labs that need either bachelor's or master's students. Um, there's also a number of industrial companies that make use of uh, physics majors. I have a friend actually who transitioned from physics into big data because as physicists, we're trained to solve problems and we can take that to other fields and there's a general approach, I think, that we can use to solve other non-physics problems that companies appreciate as well. Or uh, you can take the route of one of my lab mates who started his own company uh, based on his research and uh, as a master's student. Um, you could certainly have an idea and decide that the PhD wasn't worth finishing and it'd be better for you to start a company um, so those are a few of the things that you can do. And then, of course, if you finish your Ph.D., you'd be able to be a professor and go on and either run a research group or be a lecturer at a college, for example. OK, great overview. And let's get specific now into what your area of expertise is. You've got words like condensed matter, graphene devices for neural signal detection. Can you dig into that? Yeah, of course. We have a lot of jargon in physics, so it's definitely confusing at first. Uh, the condensed matter is a subsection of physics. We have all these different branches of physics. Particle physics and condensed matter physics are kind of the two main ones. And particle physics, um, you're probably more familiar with, with CERN and the Higgs boson that was in the news in the last year. Um, and then there's condensed matter physics, which I work in. And condensed matter physics is basically anything that's not a gas. Um, so it's condensed in some form, either a liquid or a solid or 
somewhere in between the two. Uh, it's a fun place to play around in. So for graphene, this is a material that I work with that's only one atom thick. It's sort of incredible that it is stable and exists in the world. Um, for a long time, actually, theorists didn't think it could exist, and it was only in 2000. Five, I believe, that a research group uh, first isolated it and used it to make some electrical devices that were very exciting. So it's sort of a newer material to work with. And because it's only one atom thick, that also just makes it extra fun. <laughs> it's very flexible. And um, I play around with it in water so that I can move it like a piece of paper. So if you think of a piece of paper, it's two-dimensional, but you can bend it and roll it and manipulate it in three dimensions. And uh, my research group has developed a way to do that with little micro manipulator hands, essentially, um, with a piece of graphene. And so then the neural signaling comes in with neurons. But cells are squishy and pliable. And so we have this very soft electrically conducting material now. And if we can control where it is, we could move it on top of a cell or squish it into some tissue and detect neural signals that way. Um, so we're working towards that goal. Uh, we're not quite there yet, but that, that's where we're moving. And what would that be used for? So you're, you're talking about neural detection, so you're talking about the brain, I assume. Um, yes. So where would that be used? Would you put some graphing in your brain to monitor just a neural activity? Yeah, right now, the big question with brains is uh, scaling things up. So there's a level at which neurobiologists have a good sense of how individual cells work and even like a network of maybe 10 or 20 cells, um, how they interact with each other, neural cells in particular, of course. Um, and But our brain has millions upon, I don't know, billions of cells. And we haven't got a way to really approach that problem yet. So <laughs> there's a lot of interest in having devices that you could make in parallel, massively in parallel. So that means that you could just produce thousands of them at a time and uh, use them in that capacity as well. And graphene uh, actually does fit those criteria. Uh, I can talk about photolithography in a minute, which is the process we use to, to make our devices. Um, but if we, if we can go from the current state of the art, which is 100 little metal detectors uh, in the brain to a thousand, that will just increase our knowledge of how our brains work phenomenally. And so the graphene, so it's one atom thick. So is that actually visible? You say you manipulate it in water. Can you actually see that or is it just too small to see? You can actually see it. It absorbs 3% of light. So it's very faint, but you can find it. <laughs> and we have cameras where we bump up the contrast so that it looks as dark as possible and it's easy to see. Um, but when we're working with it, we also coat it in other materials so that it becomes easier to see for a lot of the processing. Um, it has a sort of waxy material on top of it, and that's thick enough that you can see that easily. So we don't we don't lose track of it when we're working with it. Um, but, but yeah, you can actually see it. Uh, and if you were to try and see it unaided, that would be a hard thing to do um, if you were trying to do it without a microscope and, and a camera that could kind of bump up the contrast for you. Okay. So you're you're doing research. So, you know, there's a lot of folks going for STEM STEM degrees. They're getting an undergraduate degree, you know, a Bachelor of Science and a Master's. And then moving into to a PhD world where you're doing research, what would a typical workday look like for you? Yeah, my workday is not typical. <laughs> it depends really where I'm at in a project. Uh, so with research, and in particular my field of research, 
with graphene and uh, here's another jargon word for you, uh, nanophysics and nanoscience. Uh, and I do photolithography, which is a process. It's a lot like uh, photography, actually, old, old school photography when you had to develop film. Um, we have materials that interact with light and they allow us to make patterns and then we can go on and process things from there, add metals or etch things away. Uh, so sometimes uh, at the beginning of a project, I'm mostly working in the clean room, uh, which is this room that is exceptionally clean uh, so that even pieces of dust are minimal because dust could ruin the devices we're making. If you think of all the devices that are in your cell phone, for example, there's a so many little transistors that are in there and a piece of dust could just like wipe them out during processing. So you're, now, wearing course, a, you're wearing a bunny suit all day long then in that clean room, so I, I assume. I'm wearing a bunny suit in the clean room. That's right. So that's when I'm making my devices. Then there's the phase of building the experimental apparatus itself, usually with the microscope. So there's some electronics, maybe some optics. Um, so the, the environment in which we're going to study the device and then taking data, of course. And once you have uh, sufficiently interesting and good data, then there's the phase where you're writing a paper. Um, so it really, your typical day just depends on where you're at in your research project. Okay. So what is one area that really has you fired up about physics or graphene or small devices? Well, I uh, kind of have to agree with my advisor right now. He's really into the idea of a nano submarine. <laughs> we, uh, we are at this place in our group where we can manipulate graphene, we can use it to detect cells, and we can use it as an electrical and optical material. And there's sort of a desire to combine all of those aspects into one functional device that could hang out in your bloodstream, for example, and maybe uh, be deployed to... Uh, put pharmaceuticals in various places in your body. Um, that's a very broad goal that we're not, you know, we're not making a nano submarine tomorrow, but um, the idea of sort of functionalizing graphene in all of these ways and bringing all of its benefits together into one device is, I think, really cool. And this is all funded by research dollars from, from the government, or where does the money come from for the research? That's a great question. For physics, the money, I think it almost, well, not exclusively from the government, but I think almost exclusively. In engineering, you're more likely to see partnerships between industry and uh, academia. A lot of professors actually in engineering have their own companies. <laughs> um, so I have some friends who are funded through a company and they work on propri proprietary information. So they can't really talk a lot about their research uh, because it's for the company. Um, so it, it just depends where you're hanging out in academia. Okay, so Catherine, we're going to change gears here a little bit, and we're going to move into an aha moment you've had. So could you take us to a moment in time of an incredible aha moment you've had at work or your personal life and tell us the story and how you turn that aha moment into success? Absolutely. I, I My aha moment is a little bit of a gradual aha moment. Uh, but what I've learned over the years from sort of paying attention to my brain is that my brain is really interested in communicating physics more than it's interested in conducting research. And this is an important discovery to figure out during grad school because it affects what I want to go and do after grad school. Uh, and I, I acted on this uh, interest and had a YouTube channel, The Physics Factor, for a while that I ran that was a lot of fun, um, but now I'm 
focusing on finishing up my PhD. So I'm, I'm hanging, my brain needs to hang out in the research world and, and uh, it's sort of putting on hold the desires to hang out in the communicating physics world. And I think the aha moment was just realizing that distinction and the importance that it had for my life and the decisions I was going to make. Yeah, I guess if your aha moment, if you actually didn't listen to that and you didn't listen to the side that you don't like the research side and you just, you know, stuck it out or just headed down that path, you probably wouldn't be as happy heading down maybe the, are you going to pursue the teaching side? Yeah, that's correct. The, there's, I still want to finish my PhD. It wasn't, I don't dislike research. I just don't like it as much as I like the communication and teaching part of physics. Um, and to teach at the college level, then I need I do need to finish my PhD, uh, which is what I'm doing. All right. And hey, we're going to transition here now into something that's on the minds of our STEM nation, getting through college. So you've been in college for a number of years, so hopefully you've got some good advice here. <laughs> yes, I have. All right. So if you could go back to when you were 18, heading off to college, what do you wish you knew back then? I wish I knew how important a good night's sleep is. Um I did a lot of staying up late to get homework done. Certainly there was procrastination involved in that. And eventually it caught up with me in a bad way. And there's this phrase that people like to say that, you know, you'll you'll do better on a test if you get a good night's sleep instead of staying up cramming for it. And I never really believed that because I'd have homework that I needed to finish or there's like parts of the exam that I just hadn't looked at, um, subjects for the exam that I hadn't looked at. And so I was I would always think, well, if I go to sleep, then I just literally don't read that information or do that homework. And so it's going to make my grade worse, not better. Like this doesn't make any sense. Um, what I've come to realize is that over time, getting a good night's sleep consistently over many weeks and months and making it a real habit does make you a much better and more efficient uh, researcher, person, student, and that that's incredibly valuable. And, and it, it involves learning how not to procrastinate, <laughs> which has been one of my projects in grad school, learning how to not procrastinate. Um, and it, But it's definitely worth it to work on that aspect of, of your life. Yeah, Catherine, I'm going to say to STEM Nation, you know, if you're in high school, you know, thinking about heading into a STEM curriculum or any degree for that matter, start learning that time management now before it's absolutely necessary in college, because it will become absolutely necessary in college, and get a good night's sleep. Don't cram all night for a test. You're going to end up doing worse. Yeah, maybe maybe it works once or twice, but over the long haul, that's not going to work. Sleep is so important. Thanks, Catherine. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to take a quick pause and thank our sponsor, Audible, who is offering a free audiobook. You can head over to stemonfirebook.com. That's stemonfirebook.com to get a free audiobook of your choosing. And we're going to head into the lightning round. Catherine, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. All right. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? <laughs> Go to sleep. <laughs> Go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. I was I, I, I can't think of anything better. <laughs> and what's a personal habit that contributes to your success and it cannot be sleep? That is fair. Um, I would say mindfulness, um, learning to be self-aware, um, the idea of metacognition, thinking about what your brain is thinking about. Uh, this is how I had my aha moment of realizing I was really more interested in teaching and communication of science. Um, so learning learning how to to kind of be able to reflect on what your mind is doing is extremely has, has helped me a lot. And how do you reflect on something like that? 
It's it's a little weird. <laughs> um, it imagine the there are techniques you can use where you you say things like I am observing myself talking to Jeff on this podcast interview for Stem on Fire, and then you can go back another level and be like I am observing the fact that I'm observing myself talking to uh, Jeff on STEM on fire. And, and this gives you a certain amount of distance from, from whatever your thoughts are and allows you to kind of look at them and, uh, a little bit more, um, with a little bit less bias maybe, or just a little bit less emotion. It's trying to get some emotional distance from your thoughts. Um, and, and being able to do that just helps you understand yourself a lot better and, and make the right decisions, make the right decisions for you. Yeah, so just take kind of a step back from yourself and try to look at yourself from a higher level versus, you know, kind of what you're looking at right now. It's hard to explain, yeah. but I, I understand kind of what you're saying. Maybe STEM Nation, you have to think about that a little bit more, maybe do some Googling on that to find out what that is. Yeah, I would say mindfulness is the word to Google. That, that will bring up a lot of useful information, I think. Okay, mindfulness. And what's a favorite internet resource or phone app and why? I really love Habitica. Uh, it helps with my time management skills. It's an app that gamifies your life. So it's like an RPG, uh, but you get points for getting things done. So you you make your to-do list and, and it's set up to, to give you gold for completing things. And there's pets that you can buy and swords and there's quests that you go on. Uh, but it all revolves around getting things done in your own life. Uh, and that's been enormously helpful in fighting my procrastination. Um, just giving it that little extra boost at the end of the day, maybe like, Oh, I really don't want to do this, this, uh, chore, but if I do it, I get points on this game. So I'm going to do it. <laughs> and, what was, um, and what was that called? Habitical? Habitica, like habit. Ica. H A B I T I C A. Yes. Habitica. <laughs> and, what, and Catherine, you like to read, so what is one book you recommend and why? I do love to read. Uh, I would recommend the book Honey Bee Democracy by Thomas D. Seeley. This is just a great book for people interested in science because it does a beautiful job of going through the scientific process. Uh, Thomas Seeley is a professor at Cornell, actually. That's how I learned about the book. Um, and he just does a wonderful job of kind of setting up his research question about bees. We're curious about this aspect of them. So we designed this experiment in this way to answer it. And then here's some interesting things we learned. And it just it it just does this again and again and really shows the scientific method at work in understanding how bees communicate with each other. And so I think it's fascinating on just its subject level. Bees are kind of cool. And then it's fascinating on this uh, scientific process kind of level as well. Okay, Catherine. So as we wrap up here, can you share a parting piece of guidance for STEM Nation? And then we'll say goodbye. I would say... Uh, repeat myself a little bit, pay attention to your brain and where it likes to hang out. That's how I like to say it. And uh, figure out if you want to hang out there professionally or if you want to just keep it as a hobby, because either of those options is totally fine. And you'll run into a lot of the do what you love mantra as you go through college. That's big right now in our generation. Um, but ultimately, do what you love for work or do what you love as a hobby it doesn't matter too much which which of those options it is. All right, Catherine, thanks for that. And with that, we'll say goodbye. Goodbye. I hope you enjoyed our discussion today with Catherine. Head on over to stemonfire.com, subscribe to the email list to keep up with the latest happenings, 
and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player. And again, if you're getting value from this podcast, please share it with a friend. Tune in next week where we talk with Arun, who is a mechanical engineer. Until next time, I hope this chat has helped ignite your passion towards a STEM career.